Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Mark Hartsman, apologies again for uh, asking you that question about Charles Davis and not giving you enough time to uh, to respond. Can you pick up the story there about what happened to him? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so, so as I was saying, uh, it's been fully investigated. Um, by the FBI, this was you know documented in newspapers, and and there was really no no clear explanation that ever came through for what happened to him. And after that, you know, he he put it out of his mind. Like I said, James McDonald had interviewed him and his mother and grandmother several years later, and that was pretty much all he thought about. He didn't he didn't use this to try to like capitalize on this you know on an experience or anything like that. It was just something weird that happened to him. Was all he said. He didn't know what it was, just something odd. So what makes this story even stranger, and this, this was something that, that Dave had shared with me, David Marler had shared with me um, when he first told me about Charles Davis, he started looking into the case and finding that other top-shaped UFO sightings were happening in the weeks before and after this um, in different parts of the country, mostly like Georgia and, and North Carolina. And there were these other documented reports of people seeing top-shaped objects flying overhead and in, in several cases, also belching fire and injuring uh, injuring different people in the process. Even stranger, this was happening on Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> so 
frequently that people were having watch parties on Tuesday nights with <laughs> top-shaped objects. And again, none of these were ever explained. There were no, you know, government didn't say, oh, yeah, we're testing some new aircraft or whatever it was. None of that ever came out. And, and so I love this story to, intro, to introduce the book uh, because it is one of these truly odd, weird things that happened. It's unexplained. And that's the case with so many stories. I mean, you had mentioned earlier the idea of, of these, you know, uh, aircraft or, or unidentified craft flying overhead, you know, no, no sound, just sitting overhead in people's, you know, whether it's in people's yards or over highways or whatever it might be. And I have cases like that I talked about in the book that truly are just unexplained. And that's part of what keeps this whole topic so mysterious and, uh, and interesting. And what does Charles Davis think now? So when I talk to him, I mean, he basically still maintains that he doesn't know what it is. He said, I, all I know is something where it happened to me. I, I'm not telling you it's, it's aliens or UFO, um, but I don't know. It has no explanation for it and, and doesn't try to create one for it. I mean, tops, UFOs that look like tops that are belching fire, uh, you don't hear about many of those anymore. I think I remember from one of the cases that you document in this book, it was also stinky, right? It was, it was really smelled bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that, that too. And it, you know, adding to the idea that you just said, like, you don't see those too often that, that shape, especially at that time, everything was more softer shape, you know, or at least cigar shape, right? You didn't hear, you didn't hear top shape. So, why would someone just suddenly make that up if they kind of wanted to capitalize on the situation? So it's definitely an unusual, I mean, definitely an unusual series of cases. Well, what do you make of that? That there are so many, you look at the history of this phenomenon, there are so many hundreds of shapes and sizes of these objects. Some are the same as what we see today. They're spheres and occasionally a discs, but cigar shapes, triangles, Many are pretty weird shapes, as like we get the variety pack here. Are they, you know, alien Chevys, Chryslers, and Fords, different sport models, station wagons? What's what's going on? <laughs> a good way to put it. <laughs> Even rectangular shapes, you know, it's, yeah, it is. It's, uh, you yeah. hear a lot of like, you know, football field size uh, objects being seen. And I mean, that's a good question. You know, first of all, when we think about the idea of, of extraterrestrial visitors, who's to say it's just you know one one species from one particular place that might be visiting so in that sense yeah maybe it is different different uh different things different vehicles that they're creating um so it's a good question uh i personally find the triangular ufos really fascinating yeah um especially you know the phoenix lights probably be the most famous of them which was seen by about twenty thousand people you know silently passing over phoenix and the surrounding area throughout the state just in 1997 fairly recent right so um and that's another one that's just never really been explained. Even the governor admitted that, that, that he saw that and had no explanation for it. I like that you covered, uh, you mentioned James McDonald, Dr. James McDonald. It's not a name that uh, people hear all that often in UFO circles anymore, but gosh, what a gigantic figure he was back then. And he was a courageous guy. I mean, he put it all on the line and ultimately paid the price uh, for going down into the UFO rabbit hole. Can you share with our audience who he was and what he did? Yeah, so he, he was a physicist who really took on the subject at a time when there weren't that many scientists really getting involved in it. I mean, you, you had J. Allen Hynek um, as an advisor to Project Blue Book, but, you know, early on he was working really, really more to debunk it along with the uh, sort of the goals of Project Blue Book. 
eventually kind of came around. But James McDonald really took it seriously and investigated it um, again with, you know, with uh, a scientific mind. Uh, and he was involved in the congressional hearings in the late 60s and, you know, presented many cases and, and documented, you know, facts and, and shared data. Um, but you're right. He, he didn't get a great response. You know, he wasn't joined by other scientists. It wasn't like it is today where you have people coming together looking at things and trying to find answers. He was kind of on his own. So you're right. He was very courageous. And, uh, you know, ultimately, um, it, it didn't, it didn't bode well for his, for his career or, or his life. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. He took his own life, right? He, he, uh, yeah, he ended his no, life. That's right. He was under a lot of pressure. I remember a lot of criticism, as 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 happens still for for scientists and others who go out on a limb on this. Uh, you cover a lot of the really fascinating cases from back uh, in previous eras. Kelly Hopkinsville, uh, I think, is a great example. We've talked about it on this show before. Uh, you know, this is a preposterous uh, scenario uh, that uh, you know is almost preposterous by design where aliens are, are passing around this home and they keep getting shot almost like a shooting gallery. They get shot by the, the people in this, in this family and they keep bouncing back up. What do you make of that whole scenario? Yeah, it's a, 
it really is a fascinating <laughs> case. And I have a couple images in the book of sketches and, you know, details of what these creatures look like. And one of the headlines from, that was from 1955 that said, Story of Spaceship, 12 Little Men Probe Today at this <laughs> Kelly Farmhouse. And yeah, and basically these guys, you know, family and, and, and a couple of friends uh, get, saw these creatures. They seem to be like monkey shaped, monkey sized, you know, with, with outfits on and shooting at them. Like you said, they're climbing up trees on roofs, and uh, yeah, it just kept coming back. And uh, and and there was, of course, no bodies. You know, if they shot them and hit them, there was no evidence left behind. The police came out and investigated, talked about how terrified these guys were. They said they were genuinely terrified. They didn't seem like they were making anything up. And uh, and but they couldn't find any evidence. Like, they, here's the story, but okay, we we don't see any evidence of this and there was really no no great explanation for this there was one well, at one point they thought uh that maybe these were monkeys who had escaped from a circus that was traveling nearby which is kind of a, an interesting hypothesis that monkeys had gotten that far and somehow had avoided um bullets um evaded them uh, from from you know multiple guns <laughs> at that time so yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those interesting early cases and it's kind of one of those ones I think that that uh helped Helped uh, push the, the little green men narrative in that direction. Right, right. Uh, of, you know, I look, I look interesting. I know you spent some time with David Marlar, so I'm surprised that I and I looked in the index and not did not find Farmington, New Mexico. Um, I don't know if you ran across much information on that, but what a spectacular incident that was, where these UFOs sort of had a dogfight. I mean, dozens, maybe hundreds of these objects over this town in New Mexico that were seen by in the daylight by all kinds of people. I mean, basically everybody who lived there, did you dig into that and pass on it or, or um, did Marlar not share you his secret files on that one? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, he, he took me through so many files and, and to be honest, there was, there was so much to go through that at some point I just, I kind of did pick and choose a little bit. I can't tell you I had a particular reason for not including that case. Right. I think I just I I I was just finding cases and uh, using as much as I could. I actually had about twenty thousand words too much when I delivered the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah so I get that. Unfortunately, yeah. I couldn't cover as many cases as I would have liked. But yeah, that's definitely another interesting one. It's probably hard to convince the publisher that a nine hundred page book is going to sell all that well. Um, <laughs> You know, I think I uh, pushed back and got. I think I kept at least another eight to ten thousand of those words that, that I initially was asked to trim. So, oh, good I, deal. I made some progress. <laughs> you know, it is. Uh, it's hard to cover the legitimacy of the truly old cases. You cover the modern UFO era, UFO era, back to the late forties and fifties. Uh, but you know, similar objects have been reported throughout human history. The Romans called them uh, flying shields. There are. Uh, things uh, in the Bible, Ezekiel's wheel, uh, that other people compare to to modern UFOs. The idea that the, these things have been around a long time, that if they're visitors, they've been watching us for a long time, or maybe they live here. Um, you you tend to come across as sort of agnostic. You don't put your feet down in either camp in, uh, in a definitive way. But what do you think about the idea of uh, the visitors not being visitors at all? Yeah, well, actually, I had a, initially I had a whole chapter on, on sort of that ancient alien um, idea, and that that kind of got cut 
for that word count length I mentioned. But I took, if you, if you saw, if you saw in the book, I took some of those sections and put them around the book as sidebars because I didn't want to lose right. that whole aspect of the story because right. it is a really interesting part of the whole UFO phenomena just throughout humanity. Um, and some of it I find really quite interesting. I mean, to me, Ezekiel's vision, that was something that I read about in high school and, and, and wrote a paper about in, in uh, my AP English class. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was so wow. fascinated by it. Uh, my teacher didn't really agree with it, which was interesting. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I thought that, you know, here's this amazing description of this chariot coming down from the heavens with these strange creatures with these amazing descriptions of faces that, you know, resemble different animals, multiple animals on these, you know, on these creatures. And, of course, there's someone sitting in a throne in the center of it, right? So what could this thing be? And uh, and, and so I talked about that. You know, is it is it an early UFO sign just using the terminology that Ezekiel may have had at the time? Or is there a different context just in terms of, you know, what, what he may have been experiencing um, back then? So it's, it's an interesting case. And, yeah, it's, it's hard to have anything definitive about that, right? That's, this is all just about theory. But I did talk about some of the other cases, you know, whether things like Stonehenge or the pyramids may have been built by aliens. Um, and there's a lot of evidence that shows how, you know, how some of that could have maybe been done. For example, part of the Nile back then has been re- real recently to have actually had another, uh, another pathway that actually went by the pyramids. So floating stones and so forth may have been a bit more possible than, than previously suspected. But I also think we shouldn't over, you know, underestimate the ingenuity of, of humanity to, to build some of these structures. That said, there's some of them that are truly extraordinary that really do leave you wondering how, how people were capable of some of these things. Yeah. So who knows? I personally think that if UFOs had come back then and helped build some of these things, they could have used more than just the natural resources and left something behind as well. I mean, I, I look at like what we're doing on Mars right now as an example. So we have rovers there now, right? But before we put humans there, We'll send other machinery there that will 3D build habitats for us, and we'll bring some of our technology from here to there. So I do wonder, like, if, if they were here that long ago, when they've been advanced enough to have done something similar. Um, so that, that kind of goes through my mind a little bit in some of those cases. But in other cases, there's UFOs and artwork that goes back to, like, the Middle Ages. Yeah. And people yeah. look at these paintings, they say, well, what is that? That's a UFO. On the other hand, if you ask an art historian, they'll say, well, that's how they represented the sun and the moon at that time. You know, they, they had like a, a figure driving, you know, a, a vehicle that was representing the moon, sort of a, you know, crescent-type shaped um, object. So, again, it, some of it depends on the perspective and the, the lens you're looking at through. Yeah, interpretation. I, I'm, uh, in, like in my own research, I, I am impressed by some of these cases from the 50s or even 60s where these craft uh, are described by mil- in military documents and other and news accounts uh, where they fly circles around our best planes. They do amazing things. You know, today, if that happened, we'd blame it on Chinese drones or something we just haven't discovered yet. Russians, Chinese, Israelis, Iranians, whatever. Uh, I-, I find them to be pretty persuasive and, and give a lot of credence to the idea that these are from someone else, that someone else built them. Uh, given that they were far in advance of what our planes could do at the time. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think that's a really interesting um, way to look at because we can look at the things, the UAP that we're seeing now, and, you know, you could say, okay, is is there a foreign adversary that's 
far advanced, or, you know, do we have technology that's that far advanced that's completely secret right now? You know, possibly. But when you look back, like you said, the 50s, and you see the same kinds of descriptions, it's hard to imagine that anyone could have been that far advanced back then, right? Like our, we talked about earlier, like the U2, that was far advanced in the 50s. But something like, you know, the, the Tic Tac UAP, we weren't that far along. No one was that far along back in the 50s. So you do wonder, okay, well, maybe you can explain some of that away today, but how do you explain it away from 70 years ago? Right. Uh, Lee Spiegel uh, was a friend of yours? Yes. You cover uh, in his role in, in the United Nations. There were attempts to get the United Nations into the UFO mystery in a big way. I have a, on my wall here, I have a, a collection of uh, postage stamps from Grenada. Uh, the Prime Minister of Grenada was uh, actively involved and tried to get the UN involved, and he, he ultimately failed. But he went and issued these postage stamps anyway. They're beautiful. And our friend, the late Lee Spiegel, was directly involved in all that United Nations stuff. Can you share with us a little bit about how that went? Yeah, so Lee Spiegel, he started investigating the UFO phenomenon in the 1970s. Um, and he had his own sighting, which we can talk about as well. But in, he, he worked with, um, the president of Grenada. He, Grenada had heard about Lee Spiegel and, and he'd been trying to get something with the, the, uh, the UN going. And so Lee kind of stepped in, helped them out and just helped organize the whole thing and was able to get a lot of interesting people, um, to, to join him at the UN to have basically the first time uh, the United Nations ever talked about UFOs to address this in front of, you know, in front of the world. So he had along with him Jacques Vallée, um, uh, Gordon Cooper, the astronaut, Stanton Friedman, um, and another uh, Army uh, Reserve Captain Lawrence Coyne, who had a, his own encounter in a helicopter. Um, so he had this amazing group assembled, and they were able to address the UFO phenomena in front of the United Nations, and they were going to create basically a system where international uh, groups could, could share information and try to learn together what was going on and just kind of facilitate the whole process. And so this was all going along actually quite nicely until the president of uh, Grenada was ousted, and that kind of made the whole thing fall through. This was 1978, by the way, just for a little bit more context. Right, right. But, yeah, it was the first time they'd ever assembled it with the, the General Assembly of the United Nations for the topic of UFOs. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.